What's up, world? Welcome back to Authentically Us, the podcast where we talk about what it means to be authentic in everything that you do. I'm one of the hosts, Conroy Smith, and I got Tony here. Tony, say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? As you know, I'm here. I'm ready to get it. Let's go. Guys, we have an awesome, awesome episode today. But before we jump in, shout out to MSW Media for having us on their platform. Also, before we go any further, give us a like, a share, and just like us, guys. Comment on our social media. Let us know how we're doing. And without further ado, I think we should hop into this episode. What do you think, Tony? Why are we still talking? Let's go. Let's get it. Welcome back to another episode of Authentically Us, y'all. We have such a great guest with us on this episode. Her name is Suzanne Caprell. She has a TED Talk all about how farm animals heal childhood trauma. Um, She's a green care consultant, a farm animal welfare auditor, a court-appointed advocate for children. Susan, how are you? I am well. Thank you so much. This is a wonderful opportunity. How are you doing? We're doing well. We yeah. Awesome. Doing well. <laughs> quite, quite the introduction, Tony. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so talk to us about what all of your um all of those kind of titles mean. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 a really good question and and actually all of those titles basically come down to a common denominator and that is the absolute power of incorporating um animals and in my case my experiences farm animals with uh, therapeutic programs and in some cases, educational programs. So everything that you have described is just a bunch of fancy ways of saying that I work with farm animals and I help individuals who want to develop therapy programs and educational programs have responsible, um, have responsible things that would be implemented to help children and in some cases adults. And and for me, it's really responsible is a key word because I think that when we think of animal assisted therapy or animal assisted interventions, it's like we just think of a dog, um, you know, we think of horses, we think of, you know, things that are pretty common um, in, in this type of service, but there's just this whole new realm. And that realm is including farm animals and nature-based mm-hmm. therapy and green therapy. And it's exciting and it's promising. And we have a lot of data and a lot of scientific data that backs this up. But in the meantime, it's new. And with that comes a lot of responsibilities. Wow. That's so good. So excited to dive into more of that idea of farm animals and childhood trauma. Um, but before we dive into all of that, can you talk to us about where you grew up and what was your upbringing like? Oh, sure. Of course. I grew up in rural Pennsylvania um, in the late 60s and early 70s. I know that's like a long time ago. And, um, you know, basically it was a different life back then. Um 
we we really didn't talk about things that would happen in a home or in within a family or within an environment. You know, I, I never really knew what trauma meant because nobody talked about anything. So what happened at home stayed at home or what happened at somebody else's house stayed there. You just didn't share. You didn't feel comfortable about sharing. And that was something that I carried with me for many, many years. Um, a lot of addiction in my immediate family and my extended family. And that's really tough um, on many levels because you're witnessing things that aren't necessarily pleasant. You're witnessing things that can be uh, considered quite dangerous. And, it, you know, I had a tendency in my experience to think that nobody else was going through what I was going through that I was the only kid going through all this stuff. And even though I had many siblings, like we just didn't talk about it. And, and it got to the point where I found myself thinking, you know, if I'm the only one going through this stuff, because I thought everybody else had perfect lives, everybody in school, all my friends in school, everybody at church, you know, everybody had all this perfect, you know, family and everything. And, and it made me feel that what was wrong with me? that why was I living in this environment when everybody else I knew had such perfect lives? And it, it, it wasn't until way later in life that I learned that a lot of the kids I went to school with and a lot of the kids who sat perfectly straight and sang and prayed in church, they were going through a lot of stuff too. And that kind of helped spark why I wanted to start this farm-based service, this farm-based therapeutic service for children who have experienced trauma, because I believe if you don't learn how to get that stuff out and by that stuff, talking about it and learning to deal with things and learning how to properly communicate what is going on in your life and how it's making you feel, you can only stuff that th those things down for so long. And it's only a matter of time before it starts to bubble up and bubble up. And, you know, we, we all, um, you know, we're not comfortable with feeling what we feel. And sometimes we want to numb ourselves, and we want to be in denial. And it just can spiral to a lot of bad choices. And so my whole mission is to help children from ages six to, you know, young adults to really find ways working with professionals to talk about what's going on and to better understand what's going on in their lives. And I think most importantly is that they're not responsible for it. They didn't cause it and they're not responsible for fixing. Okay. And I think that's key because we kids can take on such tremendous responsibilities and it's not fair, you know, kids should be kids. And um, that's, you know, that's kind of where I'm at and that's my life's mission right now. I mean, you said some super, super important things, but I did want to pull back what part of Pennsylvania specifically? Oh, northeastern Pennsylvania, Luzerne County. All right. So, yeah, I'm, um, you know, outside of the Wilkes-Barre area, um, about an hour away from the Pocono Mountains. All right. Yeah, so Tony, it's rural northeastern Pennsylvania. Tony and I are from south central Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, Chambersburg, to be exact. He's okay. in Chambersburg. Um, mm -hmm. I currently live in San Diego now, but... Anytime we hear Pennsylvanians, we just love to 
you know, give them a little shout out. We have a lot of Pennsylvanians on the podcast. That's really cool. Yeah, there's a lot of good in Pennsylvania and um, a lot of good people, a lot of good folks. And we need to talk ourselves up more because I don't think we're um, we get the kudos that we get. We have a lot of good here in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing you mentioned about um, when you first were talking about your story is that when you were growing up, you, you you said that a lot of people just dealt with stuff, but then kept it in, you know, in the in, in the black community. We we like to say, like, what what stays in the house, like what happens in the house stays in the house, you know, yeah. and I just feel like even like Tony and I talk about our parents, even our grandparents, there's like traumatic things that they experienced that they just never talked about. Uh-huh. What triggered you to be like, you know what? I'm going to start talking about it. In fact, I'm going to create something that gives a space for other people to talk about it. Whoa. Okay. That is excellent. That's powerful. All right. I can, I can tell you exactly. I I remember this. Um, I was having lunch with a high school friend of mine who I have not seen in years and we were catching up and we just started talking about our lives and and i was divorced and she was in the final stages of divorce and i knew her soon to be ex-husband okay and she started to share a little bit about what was going on in her life and one of the things she shared was his addiction problem and his family's addiction problem and his father you know her her, uh, her father-in-law his dad's addiction problem so she's telling me all of these things And I'm listening, but at the same time, the other part of my brain is going, wait a minute. The family she's talking about were one of the perfect families in church. Mm. I knew them, Sunday school, church. It was like the family sitting in the pew and I could see them. And I'm like, I could remember being in church saying, I wish I could be that family. And I was like, wait a second. You know, this, so, so he was going through all that. He was going through the same thing at the same age, at the same time that I was going through. And I thought if that happened to me and that happened to him, there have to be other adults who as children were going through this type, same type of stuff that, that this guy and I were both going through. And I thought that was it. That was the catalyst Mm. because we carried those secrets for so many years And I thought if I had this chance to go back to this farm where I am now, Hillside Farms, okay, in in Luzerne County, Northeastern Pennsylvania, that same farm was my escape as a little girl. I lived less than a half a mile away from this farm. So I used to go to this farm when I was a little girl and I would run in the fields and the cow pastures and it was hundreds and hundreds of acres. And I'd be with the sheep and I'd be with the cows and that was my safe place. And it just all came together that I was offered this opportunity to come back to this farm. And here we are. So talk about life coming full circle. And it really, it was that lunch that was the catalyst. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's, it's, we have to talk about this. If there was ever a sign from above saying, you've got to talk about this and you have to help other children speak Mm. about what's going on and the trauma in their lives. Um, and then we just move forward from there. Wow. And it's so pivotal. You know what? The fact that you you recognize that and yeah. that, that you also recognize that in somebody else. And I think what's what's so awesome about what you said was I think a lot of us have that that same 
thought process where you see the the quote unquote perfect family where you're like, yeah. oh man, well, I know my family is not like that, but if, if if I could choose, I would choose that family and then come to find out everybody has junk. Everybody yeah. is going through something. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we just, as children, children deserve to be safe. They deserve to be safe and they, de- you know, they deserve to have the opportunity to grow as they were born to grow. And mm-hmm. when we're pushed down with all of this stuff, um, it stunts us in so many ways, even physically, physically, emotionally, mentally, the ability to connect to other individuals, the ability to trust. And the big thing for me personally, and and you know, talking to other adults now is the shame factor. You know, because you take this on and you think that this is my fault. I did something to deserve this. And I think shame's a killer. I think shame is the underlying cause for so much, so much ongoing addiction and abuse. And we got to talk about it more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And it's so um, important. So, so when you talk about trauma, like, how would you define trauma? Because um, I feel like in culture, trauma has become this buzzword. Yeah. And so many people have so many uh, definitions. So what do you mean when you say trauma? Trauma to me is when you experience either firsthand or you witness something that is horrifying to you, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a huge accident that you see or something major, some explosion. It doesn't have to be big. Trauma is something that can happen to you or you witnessing something happening to a loved one that changes you inside, that has you feeling fearful and you don't necessarily know how to articulate the fear that you're feeling. And as a result, the trauma changes you. The trauma affects how you eat and how you sleep and how you are able to concentrate. So that is my basic definition of trauma. And I could see what you mean by saying that it's a buzzword. Um, Trauma doesn't have to be the big bang. Trauma can be things that happen to you over and over again. It's kind of like water on a stone. You've heard that before where it just wears away at you and little things that happen again and again that eventually start to break you down. So now I'm sure all of our listeners are curious. Talk to us about uh, Hillside Farms which is this this life-changing place uh, that played a part in your story. Oh my God, of course, yes. Um, the formal name is The Lands at Hillside Farms. I call it Hillside Farms for short. It's a nonprofit educational dairy farm and it's about 428 acres. So it's really, it's, a, it's an operation or it's a real dairy farm. And um, it was created, the farm's roots go back to 1881. And it's fascinating oh. because there's, there's, there's still so many barns and buildings, some that actually predate the Civil War. 
And, and there's just this incredible commitment to restoring these buildings and protecting the land and having it like it was, you know, generations ago. And this farm became a nonprofit in 2005. And it was created for the sole purpose of being an educational farm that would teach healthy, logical, and sustainable life choices. So those that are born 200 years from now, hopefully, if we do our work correctly, will have the same experiences and opportunities that we have now. So it's it's really cool because you could come to this educational farm and you could have a history lesson or you could have lessons in science and chemistry and biology and and just history. There's just so much. It's really a living classroom. It's a 428 acre outdoor classroom. Whoa. But this slice of sustainability is also investing in the vulnerable. Because mm. if you invest in the vulnerable now, especially the vulnerable children, you're making a solid investment in their future. So we also have our, our farm-based uh, therapeutic services for children and adults. So when you were going as a child, were you going more as like a as a field trip or was this a place that you went for leisure? Like what what did that look like from when you were a child to like when you were like, hey, I can I can partner with this place? Yeah, that's really cool. So I was really lucky because I could walk to the tall. I could walk to the back cow pasture in under 10 minutes. I was very lucky. It was literally like a backyard. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a few hundred of the acres over the years um, before before Hillside became a nonprofit um, was sold to um, a lot of developers. And so there's beautiful houses, but there's, you know, houses in, you know, the areas, some of the areas that I used to run around when it was like a cow pasture. But there's still um, many, many, um, many acres of land that are unspoiled. And so, yeah. So and the funny thing is, is that. Growing up, like I said, I could walk in 10 minutes and um, the gods were kind because two years ago I was able to purchase a house right next to the property. So I'm actually wow. surrounded by this farm. And that is that's pretty wild because I could look out my windows and just see the cows and listen to the roosters. And it's it's surreal. It's my life has has truly come full circle. And I'm I'm really grateful. It sounds like it's that farm is like a part of your life. Like it is from, from absolutely <laughs> such a young age to now. So when, when did you, when did you decide of like, like, did you grow up knowing that you wanted to, to be in this field working with um, farm animals in, in therapy or uh -uh. did you go to school for something different? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I, I went to college and, and I got my, my bachelor's in marketing and business administration. And then I went back and I got a master's degree in organizational management with a concentration in nonprofit. Um, and then recently I finished uh, my master's at uh, the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine. And um, I studied animal behavior and animal welfare. I was very interested in what the world was like from the cow's point of view the chicken's point of view and the donkey's point of view. So I'm, I'm very much interested in animal behavior and animal welfare. So it kind of all ties in, but no, I have a corporate background. Oh, wow. So for, for years, um, yeah, it was, it was uh, corporate communications and then eventually um, really high-end telecommunication sales. 
uh, it was just a total, a, a total 180 as far as this corporate big money environment to working that you get paid in your soul. <laughs> because, you know, it, <laughs> we're not in it for the money. Right, <laughs> right. Well, walk us through that day. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it, there was a specific day where you you left your corporate office job and then you made a complete switch do you like do you have a specific day of when that happened yeah yeah it was it was in june of 2009 i remember june 2009 and that's when i received a call and an email from um the actual visionary and founder of of this nonprofit who happened to be um an extraordinary veterinarian and friend and um, asked if I would be interested that there was this new nonprofit launching. And with my background, you know, in marketing and communications and public relations and all those fun things that you do, um, would I be interested in helping this nonprofit start to really get the word out there? Um, because it's like, what is a teaching farm? Like, what the heck is that? Like, what's an educational yeah. dairy farm? What's a nonprofit dairy farm? Who does a nonprofit dairy farm? And um, I was just like, oh my gosh. I, I'm, I get to go back to Hillside. Like, this is crazy. And, and I just, there was no hesitation. I just jumped at the opportunity. Yes. And I never looked back. Wow. That's so good. It was meant to be. It totally, I believe that. I believe that, that I was guided. I'm not going like, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> but, but there's definitely, there was, there was something that was laying out the steps in my, in my path. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and even like hearing you talk now, like there's passion there. Yeah. Um, there's a joy, joy there yeah. <laughs> that is undeniable. Um, talk to us more about what is the most rewarding part of your job? Wow. Um, I think it kind of comes in, in a couple different parts. Um, the, I, I, what is really rewarding for me, first of all, are the number of children um, who trust us. And that's important because they don't know me, I don't know them, and they're coming to this farm. And, you know, we, we bring in trauma counselors and we bring in various um, therapists, nutritionists. I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible program because these children, the whole time that they're at this farm, they are immersed in agriculture. So they are mucking stalls. They are grooming the animals. They're feeding, watering. They're bottle feeding the calves or bucket feeding the calves. I mean, they are picking eggs and washing eggs and they are really shadowing our barn staff. So they are working. And, and we do this because we want the children to know that they have a connection to nature. Mm. And we also want them to understand the value of agriculture and the value of respecting the animals and respecting the earth, because you have to do both if we're going to have a healthy life and a healthy future. So for me, seeing the children, um, seeing their backgrounds, like their, their boundaries kind of come down when they're spending time in nature and they're doing this every day. I mean, this, the programs, each program goes for one week. So these kids, you know, it's three weeks, they're coming back and coming back. So they are working in nature and it's awesome to see how that helps them relax and kind of exhale and, and take those, those barriers down so they could talk. 
that to me is incredibly exciting and it's satisfying. And what is also really good for me is to see knowing the circumstances of the children um, and it, they're rough. Um, these children have been through horrific things. Um, to see them have the opportunity to be kids. They're just being kids and they start to feel safe and they start to open up and share their stories with other children. You mm. know, like we, we, we sit there, sometimes I just sit there and I look at these kids, like usually, usually it happens on a Wednesday, Monday, they're like, mm, and Tuesday they're opening up a little bit by Wednesday, they're sitting around to share war stories. It's like, they're topping each other's stories. Like they're having lunch. And like that to me too is surreal because it's like, they're just, they're just sitting down and, and they're opening up and they're talking and they're sharing and there's no shame. Mm. And that is incredibly satisfying. Um, I think if there was a third piece, there's there's a closing ceremony that we have. We have a memory garden and the kids um, write a note and the note could be to anyone. Um, it could be to anyone, anything, a past life, a dream, whatever. And they plant their note in the memory garden and then we give them a flower to put over their note. Okay. And we talk about uh, growing through grief and metamorphosis. And then we follow that by a butterfly release. And it's usually tears and laughter and high fives. And all these kids are signing each other's t-shirts with Sharpies and, and it's really cathartic. And it's just this incredible way um, that these kids have bonded. And we let them know that they could come back anytime they want, as often as they want, that this farm is their farm and their safe place. And I just, I look at that and I'm just, overcome with with incredible um feeling really privileged and lucky that i get to experience something like this and what what age group is, are, are these kids we take children um ages six through 14 and and what's really cool too is um it, it, it goes without fail. We usually have two to three kids each, each summer that come and the, you know, the first day they've got their arms folded. They're not going to do anything. They don't want to talk. This is stupid. And it's like, we respect that. Yeah. You don't need to participate in anything. That's not necessary. You know, children can, you know, participate at their own comfort level, but it's the ones with the crossed arms at the end are saying, could I come back and be a volunteer next year? Could you, could I be like a volunteer counselor, like a volunteer peer counselor? And that is just so gratifying um, because they want to come back and they want to help other children. Mm. And, and it just doesn't get better than that. I, I bet that's such a really cool experience to watch. I mean, I can see the joy in your face, like as you're, as you're describing it of like, getting the the kids to open up to share to see to visual, visually see the freedom and healing uh, mm -hmm. that is happening in in their life um i did want to ask like tony and i have both done like youth camps and stuff like that and it and it is a really cool experience like it yeah. is like the wednesday thursday is like when yeah. when things <laughs> when things start to hit different um what like it like, i guess i guess what i'm asking is like describe like what a, a a camp week would would look like and how can like a person who maybe has a a 
child like join this uh like this camp okay well first thing is anybody who's interested um can certainly send me an email and i can get you my email at the end of the show that if you want to include that it's suzanne at hillsidefarms.org real easy email um, and I'll give you a rundown of a typical week. Um, every morning starts with a meetup and we talk about what we're going to do during the day. Mornings are dedicated to farm chores. So the children um, will be working with all the animals. They all get a chance to work with different animals each day. They work in either pairs or teams. No child is ever put in a position where he or she is responsible 100% for taking care of an animal. All right. So like, let me give you an example here. Like, like, oh, look at the little calf. Oh my God, this is wonderful. And they're adorable. They're absolutely adorable. And a lot of them are born at like 65 to up to 80 pounds, depending on the, the breed of cow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you have a bottle and you want to bottle feed the calf and that's wonderful, that calf is going to be so hungry. That calf is just gets excited and will latch onto that nipple and pull. Okay. So well, you need a grown up to be next to the child to help balance the bottle. So this is what I mean when children assist, because we don't ever want a child to be in any situation where they're going to get pulled forward because this calf is so excited. Mm -hmm. All right. So we do a lot of safety training every single day. These kids get the safety reminders um, and they all, they all do quite well. Um, Fingers crossed, no injuries, 13 years. We're good. We're good. good. Please please God, don't let this be the year. Anyway, (laughs) So after all the farm chores are done, and that includes picking the eggs and washing the eggs and packing the eggs, everything that we do, the children have to wash up um, and dispose of gloves or any foot coverings or anything that they have for for, um, safety and security reasons. They get a snack, they sit down, and then we wait for everybody to be ready. And then we head back to our education center. And depending on the time, we may have one of the therapists work at with those kids for 45 minutes while lunch is being prepared. Okay. And we have an incredible group group of volunteers who prepare a hot, fresh meal every single day. So these kids are getting like the freshest food you could possibly imagine. And it's as much as they could eat, as much as they want. And then the afternoon is um, dedicated to various types of therapies. So we do have our trauma counselors that would be doing individual work or group work, depending on the circumstances of the children. We have our art therapists come in. We have our music therapists come in. So we have various types of um, activities that are related to trauma and grief and grief education and finding appropriate ways to communicate what you're feeling. We also work with this incredible organization and it's called, it's a nonprofit, local nonprofit here named the Food Dignity Movement. And this is all about providing quality local foods to individuals who are, who are food insecure. And um, Clancy Harrison is the executive director of this organization. And she comes in typically on a Thursday, and she gives a a great workshop to the kids so they understand the value of eating healthy, nutritious foods while you're going through trauma and why your body needs the nutrients, okay? Mm. But then, wait, there's more. So then what she does is she prepares this tables and tables and tables. It's a free farmer's market for these kids. So these kids have access to the most awesome, fresh, 
produce and healthy snacks and anything you could pretty much imagine that kids would like. And they can load up and they can take whatever they want and they can take as much as they want. And we also send home recipe cards. So the kids know how to make quick, healthy, delicious meals for themselves or in some cases, maybe their siblings. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they can take it home and they can share it with their families. So that's a big, big thing too. And, and another thing that I like is on Wednesdays, we have our adult guest speakers come in. And I thought of this a couple of years ago because it took me back to when I was having lunch with my friend who was really the conversation was the catalyst for the grief camp. And I wanted to find individuals who were in the community. A lot of them are prominent community members and they agree to come and talk to the kids during lunch and share their stories of overcoming childhood trauma and what they did and how they did it. And the whole idea is here I am today in my suit and I'm talking about my swimming pool and I'm talking about going to college and I'm talking about all these things, but you know what? I grew up and I saw my dad murder someone and I was shooting up heroin and I served time in prison, but look at me now because mm. we want to show the kids that these grownups were once in the trenches where those children are now. And that is powerful. Mm -hmm. So we have fun. I mean, we also have fun. We've, we've got the games and the kids can run and they can just get the energy out. Um, but it's, it's quite an interesting menu of um, grief related and trauma related services that we provide throughout the weeks of camp. Wow. And you know what's cool? It doesn't cost anything. I do the fundraising for it and I write the grants and and I secure sponsors. So there's nothing that's put on the families. You know, the families don't have to incur any costs. And then we have a special week that's set aside for kids in foster care. And so all of these children are all in the same boat. You know, mm -hmm. they're all in foster care and that helps them with their feelings of maybe, you know, I'm in, I'm not in my home, you know, mm -hmm. I'm living with someone I just met last week, you know, kids that are in the same boat in that circumstance too. Pretty this wild, is, huh? <laughs> oh my gosh. People think what? I'm nuts. <laughs> no, this is absolutely beautiful. What? Yeah. <laughs> Like what you're doing in Hillside uh, Farms is, it's just like revolutionary. But like, yeah, I hope so. I, I, you know, because it, yeah, I want to see other farms do this. It can yes, be done. It yeah. can be done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and you're connecting kids back to nature, which yep, like. I, we, I, I mean, we're millennials, Tony and I are millennials, and I feel like we like to say we're like the last group that went outside and played. I yeah. don't think these kids now are going outside and playing with grass and, and dirt. Oh, and absolutely. They're absolutely. not coming home with uh, stained jeans, you know, or a bruise or two, you know, yeah. you fell out of a tree like, OK, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so. Uh, talk to us more about what, uh, what it took to, uh, get this TED talk, uh, that you did. That Obviously, was... you're well spoken. Right. Thank right. you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, there, 
I didn't seek out the TED talk. It was, it was, it was just incredible. Um, something popped up in my email and, and it was just that there was, um, auditions for TEDx Scranton and it was just this basic email. And I thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. That is something that, that I wanted to do for as long as I could remember, you know, as long as I was watching Ted talks and, and I thought I have to do this. No, I'm scared. I have to do this. I'm scared. I can't do this. I have to do this. Oh my God. I'm going to make a fool out of myself. Right. So then I did it and I wrote up my, my narrative of what I was going to talk about and this and that. And then, um, I let it go. I just kind of put it out there to the gods and there, the day of the announcement, it was this, this Facebook post that came out from TEDx Scranton and I'm reading it and I'm reading all the names and I'm reading all the names and, you know, like there was like 12 names and I'm reading. And then like by the third time I read it, I went, oh my God, my name's on it. Like it didn't, it didn't even. <laughs> so I was all excited. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, they're letting me do this. Oh my God, I'm going to do such a horrible job. Oh, and then the anxiety, the anxiety. And it was like. I, I just, it was this roller coaster because I was excited, but then my anxiety took over and, you know, you just, and then it's like, I have to talk about this. It's got to be under 18 minutes. How am I going to do this? Yeah. So luckily I had, I had about eight months to prepare, which was, which was just phenomenal. I mean, that was, that was a gift in itself, but literally the, the opportunity from the Ted top job, it just came from the heavens. It absolutely did. I didn't seek it. It showed up. It showed up in an email, just like this general email that was out there. Wow. Pay attention. The signs are there. There's one thing I've learned on my decades on this earth is that if we're open to the signs, they, they really do present themselves. That's true. Yeah. So our last question before we transition, what does it mean for Suzanne to be authentically you? Oh my gosh. It what it means for me to be authentically me is I can do things I can do things now without seeking approval from anyone. And I don't mean that to be arrogant. That's not what it is. For so long I would do things so people would like me or so I could get this or that, or, you know, because you want to be accepted. And I'm at the point now with my accomplishments and my faith and my mission in life where I don't need anybody's approval. I've got my marching orders. You know, I know what I'm doing in my life and I know why I'm here. So if people don't like it or they don't understand it, that's okay. You know, that's okay. I don't hold any grudges. But stay out of my way and don't try to stop me. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but be it, you know, so so really when you um for me to be authentic now, and I could say that I am, that that people's opinions don't matter. I respect people, I respect individuals, and I love many, but I'm gonna do my thing. I know what my thing is, and um I'd love for you to come along, but if you don't want to, that's okay too. That. I mean that wrapped it up pretty much for me. Right. I mean, we're done. we're done. I think I think what you just said there. I mean, obviously everything that you said, but what you just said there is going to um impact and speak to so many people, specifically women because I feel like 
what you said was was I know my sisters, I have a lot of friends just talk about like that confidence and caring so much about what other people say. But I wish people could see the joy and confidence on you when you speak about what you do, because I feel like literally what you just said, you truly have you, you, you know, your purpose, you know what you're doing and you're confident in it. And like you said, people can either hop on the roller coaster with you or not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and, and, you know, I just like, my life is a hoot and, (laughs) and it's, it's wonderful, but it's not for everybody. You know, Mm -hmm. I have six dogs and a parrot and feral cats I take care of. Like it's not for everybody, but at the (laughs) same time, um, I, I just think we all have gifts and we all have incredible potential. So my focus in life is to help others reach theirs. And the emphasis is really on children. Mm-hmm. Man, we're going to transition to our next segment, which is called rapid fire. Now rapid fire is where we ask you three questions. Um, and the first thing that comes to mind. So don't go to your books. Don't ask your dog what they think or your cats. This first thing that comes parrot. to mind. Or your parrot. Yeah. Oh, my parrot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get it. Would you rather be able to talk with the animals or speak all foreign languages? Talk with the animals. <laughs> I saw that one coming. Yeah. I, saw that <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I communicate with animals and I think anybody can, you can just, you watch their, their faces and their eye movements and their body language, but yeah, to talk and say like, Hey, what's up? What's going on? What do you think of those people (laughs) over there? Do you care? No, you don't care. You're authentic. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like you probably already have a sense of like what these animals are saying anyway. (laughs) You're like, I mean, just to physically communicate would just be another step, but yeah, but that's exactly it. Yeah. Let's go (laughs) hang out. Right. Um, next question is if you could have any superpower, what would it be? If I could have any superpower, it would be to stop abuse. Mm. Wow. That's like a good one. Yeah. Really good. It's not thin thighs. No, I'm over that. I'm over that. It's 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 really stopping stopping abuse. It's yeah. So good. Mm. That's great. When was the last time you cried? Oh, the last time tears in my eyes or cried, cried. First thing that comes to mind. (laughs) Rapid. Tears in my eyes. Um, I was reading, it was, it was two days ago and it was because I was reading an article um, in the LA times that it was about these horrific, um, people are just they're they're stealing exotic animals and parrots and um they're taking these animals and and kidnapping them from veterinarians offices and pet stores and homes and and they're smuggling them and selling them and it just it made you know it that is sad and that hurts but i think of the intelligence of the animals parrots have the intelligence of a four-year-old and a five-year-old and it's really like having a toddler in your home and it's just the sadness comes from the act, but the sadness comes of how far humanity we have to go. But um, there's hope. Well, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but Jeepers. no, <laughs> no. Uh, we, we asked the question. Thank you for Authentic. sharing that. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, thank you so much, first of all, for being a part of this. You're taking your time out. We don't take that for granted. This is um, awesome. I loved talking with you both. This was terrific. You thank this you. was this was so informative for us. Oh, I'm so great. So excited, and hopefully we can visit the farm someday. Tony, we gotta make a trip. Oh, Let me know. Sure. Absolutely, please do. Um, where can people find you? I know you mentioned your email, but where can people find you if they're um and what do you have going next? Okay. Well, what I have going next is I'm um working on a a little project with the um American Psychological Association. They have a human animal interaction um section of um of this national association and i'm going to be doing some guest editing and writing for them about farm animals and how farm animals work well into therapy programs so i'm working on that and um i'm getting ready to um launch for grief camp because summer's coming and so right now i am in the grief camp mode of doing the last minute planning and working with the therapists and getting everything together so I will be in fifth gear until mid-September, you know, starting June 1st. So I'm gearing up for that. And I love it. <laughs> so is if any... anybody is interested in, in learning about the farm, you could go to hillsidefarms.org. Um, that'll take you to the website. And there's just beautiful photos. And, and there's just so much there that that you'll get lost in, in the beauty and the wonder of, of the farm. And you can reach me on there as well. So I would welcome um, the opportunity to talk to anyone or do farm tours or, you know, see if if you're interested in learning more about farm animal um, therapy programs. Is there any books coming? I wish, but you know, I get myself so, so worked up about that too. So what I'm doing is I'm starting chapters. If I had the money to hire a ghostwriter, I would do that because <laughs> I put you use too much AI now. Myself. Yeah, isn't that insane? <laughs> that AI is like, it, it's, it's, it's terrifying, but it's fascinating. Yeah. It at the same time, at the at same time, the same yeah. time, at the same time. And it's, it's, you know, big brother coming true and Stephen King books coming. Like it's all of this. That is like, it's, it really is. an robot. Yeah. It's, it's just, yes. are you talking to a real person? And the only thing that really bothers me about AI is the, is the ability to manipulate videos and voice like that yeah. could get dangerous, you yeah. know, like that could get real yeah. dangerous. However, I pray that we use the power for good. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Right. You know? Well, you guys heard it here first. There are chapters that are being written. Who knows if there's going to be a book? <laughs> but we are going to be pushing for that book. I hope oh, so. Yes. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast, guys. We're going to put all those things in the show notes. Suzanne, until next time, be authentic in everything that you do. You can count on it. Thank you. <laughs> First of all, shout out to PA. Shout PA out doing to PA. Big. You know, and shout out to Hillside Farms because what they're doing, you said it best, it is revolutionary. Like, to hear what they're doing and like when she was describing the freedom the kids get and the joy once you think she said that hit me real deep when she was like allowing the kids to be kids 
And I was like, you know what? So many kids have to grow up so fast. That is so true. And I feel like to be able to connect with nature to do that, awesome. Yeah, I mean, this, this camp is, I wish I would have had a hillside farm when I was a kid. Um, you know, there needs to be more farms like this. And this particular farm needs to get more more love, more publicity, uh, because this this can be life changing, not only for um, for kids to know they're not alone, but they can be able to put a name to what they're going through. And when we can name trauma as trauma. We can tame it and work through it, but we can't until we can name it. So, name it to tame it. Mm. Mm. That was free, y'all. That was free. Sheesh. Well, y'all know what time it is. It is the friendship quiz. If y'all been following us for a while, you know that we switched it up a little bit. And Tony, do I have a question for you? All right, all right. When was the moment you knew? We were gonna be friends for the long haul. I'm really curious of what you're gonna say now. <laughs> or maybe you're like, ah, it hasn't come yet. I don't know. <laughs> well, we all know it's come. <laughs> don't get twisted there. Um, I don't know, like, there's not an exact moment. But I would have to say senior year, having lunch with you every day, hanging out with um, Tellable. Tellable. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. That lunch table was was goaded. Oh, that was a fun was lunch table. Man, I remember that. Yes. Okay, I didn't think I didn't expect you to say senior year. I thought you were gonna say like college year. So that's good to know. Oh, see, we we started getting close after Sarah passed. That's true. And so senior year, I was just I was hanging out with Conway all the time. <laughs> that was when I invited myself to places. Yeah, we'll, we'll save that for another episode. Just so y'all know, Tony used to invite himself for hangouts. but All the time. <laughs> it worked. Hey, it worked. I still do it. <laughs> hey, y'all, thank you for joining um, our journey. Continue to join this journey with us. And until next time, be authentic in everything that you do. Peace. Peace.